Good evening, and welcome to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Lara Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This will be a podcast in which we analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season, including some, like this one, that ran only one episode. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Wood. Hey, guys. Glad to be here. That's it. Oh, is this what you want? Is this what you want, Laura? Is this what you want? It's a really good time to mention this is a podcast and no one saw that. I'm just going to have your shirt off in the studio yeah, I'm just for gonna, the rest of the... I'm just going to have my shirt off. It's warm. Okay. So welcome to the most uncomfortable episode of the Stay Doom podcast ever. I'm putting my... Talk while I put my shirt back on. I, I, I <laughs> was, I'm sorry, I'm blinded by the glare. <laughs> Hurtful. I couldn't even get into my notes because I was just blinded by the glare. Uh, so this week we're doing the television wheel. Yes. Which is uh, Joel Hodgson's show that aired in 1995. It was a pilot produced for HBO that ultimately was not picked up by HBO, but it did air on Comedy Central. Yes. Quite the interesting concept here. Now, it, it took some decoding to figure out what was happening. Mm-hmm. But you can find the Comedy Central run on YouTube. Yes. And basically, here's the issue with the show. It ran an unedited, like no cuts, 30 minutes on HBO. Yes. So, if you there was no place to add commercials. Correct. Because it was meant to air on premium channel. No commercials. So... What it appears to have happened is it ran as an hour special on Comedy Central with a, like, 20-minute explanation of what the show was, followed by the show, and then, like, a four-minute goodbye. Yeah, because they wanted to air it as an hour time slot and pack all the commercials into the first half hour so that they could kind of, like, make the money they needed to make. So it, it is cool that... Comedy Central aired it uncut. Yes. I do, like, credit there. You heard me say credit. Given to this show. So, there it happened. Now let's get into what we watched. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, this is, uh... Well, the intro... Let, let's talk about that intro. Okay. It's Joel Hodgson introducing the concept of what he calls... The Xbox to us. In this machine I created called the TV Wheel, and what we've got here is some footage of an early version called the Xbox. There you go. Yeah, so? Well, uh, you know, it's a great big turntable that moves all the sets and actors in front of the camera. Yeah, it looks like a great big fire trap is what it looks like. Yes. Now, this is in 1995, so this is more retroactively funny because Xbox has a different connotation when in 2019. Yeah. So, uh, basically, it's him explaining with, I would like to say, the help of puppets, but really, while being distracted by puppets. And the puppets are disturbing looking. Like, they're not cool puppets, like Crow or Tom Servo. Really? They're not cool? Oh, no. They're not the human version of that shark that you watch on Instagram? It's not that exact puppet, but a human? Leave Shark Puppet out of this? Shoutouts to Shark Puppet. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, the difference is I'm watching Shark Puppet for about 10 seconds at a time. Yeah, it's it's tough over a long period of time. This was 20 minutes of these puppets with Joel Hodgson. Because a Shark Puppet video is setting up what the Shark Puppet is doing. Like doing donuts in a field. He goes, yeah! Drives around a circle, crashes, dies, and screams. Yes. And that is a Shark Puppet video. It is over as quickly as it begins. This This is really long. So for a half hour, roughly... I mean, I mean, like, it'd be a half-hour time slot, roughly, when it aired. For us, it was about, I don't know... 14 minutes. 14 minutes? Yes. Okay. Trust me, I... Every agonizing moment. He's explaining what the television wheel is, or the Xbox. Yes. And basically, there's a... He wants the camera, or the... Yeah, the, the your television, to feel like a window. Yes. Like... The only thing separating us is like a pane of glass. Yeah, playing into that idea of the fourth wall. So the camera is in the middle. It will not cut. And this wheel will rotate around it. So that's how they will do set changes. Yes. And also they can do like fun stuff with perspective there. Right. So like, I think they actually have like a shark puppet. Like... Or some sort of swimming predator close to the screen. Yes. While people, like, further back look like they're being chased by something huge. Yes. Now, I'm going to have a lot of issues with what we talk about here. Mm Mm-hmm. But there's one specific line that I have to bring up that he says. Okay. He says... You know, that's that's all well and good, Joel, but uh, did it ever occur to you to maybe put the actors in the sets on the floor... And just move the camera. Well, you know what? You're not the first one to say that. Anyway, let's see the new board in here, Jim, anyway. And then he proceeds to not answer that question. Right. That is the answer to this problem. (laughs) Yeah, and it would have been less expensive and less cumbersome. Yes. But instead, it is very cumbersome. Yeah, it... The concept is interesting, but doesn't quite work. So, it takes Joel Hodgson to uh, 14 minutes to explain what I just explained to you. Yes. It is a camera in the middle with a rotating set around it, so that's what changes the sets. In there are some things about puppets wanting rights or unionizing. While that is happening, there are puppets that want rights and, you know, more television time for puppets. It's not very well put together. No. But it is definitely a thing that happens. Yeah, it does exist, so we're going to mention it. And that's us mentioning it. Good job. Good mentioning. Yes. And the other thing that they keep pushing, which is fascinating, is there are no cuts. And so this is all going to be done in one take. Yes. So there's this, like, kind of playing with fire aspect of, if there's a mistake, you will see it. Mm-hmm. And... They have to do a half hour. Yeah. Like, there's no going long and then cutting some. There's no going short and then trying to figure something out. Like, that is the time they must fill. Yeah, it's it's tight. It has to be precise. It's a ballet. Yeah, so it he compares it to a, a magic special. And there's many times where it actually does feel like a magic special. Yes. Uh, but that is the main, like... Magicians are actually credited in the credits. Yes. Well, I mean, there are magic tricks in this show. It's true. 
But basically, what makes this appealing is it's something that's never been done before, and there is danger of disaster. Yes. You know, the same reason you watch, you know, Rent Live is basically like, ooh, they might screw up. Wow, that would have been an interesting version of Rent Live. Instead, an actor broke his ankle, like, right before the show, and they just did a sit-down concert. Right. And then they aired the last 20 minutes or so live, and it was good, and they really could have just done it live. I digress. Yes, let's get back on topic here. So, anything else you want to add about this part of the show before we get into the actual episode of Television Wheel? They spend a lot of time breaking down how the hour is going to go. Mm -hmm. Because probably they didn't want people to get turned off by how many commercial breaks were in the first half hour. Yes, because it's... Like three minutes a show, four minutes a commercial, three minutes a show, four minutes a commercial. Right. Is that the way it was set up? It wasn't the other way around? I It could have been the other way around. I um, certainly hope it was the other way around. But like, they're explaining... But it's still a lot of commercial. Yeah. Even if it's four three four three four three, that's still a lot of commercial. Yeah. So, there's explaining that so that you don't change the channel before the television wheel even starts. Yeah. And then... The television wheel starts, and it starts with Joel explaining, explaining the, concept the again. damn concept. Yeah, it's Joel Hodgson explaining the concept. Um, this is super interesting, because in a lot of the pilots we've watched, we've seen this little bit of the creator talking about the show. Yeah, We, saw, we see it with Heat Vision and Jack, we yeah. see Ben Stiller. Uh, with Awesome Town, Jack Black just does it instead. Yeah, very true, very true. So, this is not an uncommon thing, but... In those, we also haven't watched 15 minutes of him explaining it. Yeah. <sighs> so let's talk about the show. All right. So the first thing we see is Go Go Golf. And everything's endearingly crappy. Yes. Um, picture Yoshi's Crafting World. Yeah, that's kind of a, an interesting way to put to Like, everything's it. like cardboard and plywood. Like... Because uh, the the very first miniature golf segment we see is Mousetrap, right? Yes. So it's someone hits a golf ball, and then in the foreground, very close to the camera, so it looks like it's part of the hole, is an actual just game of Mousetrap. Yes. And you see all the stuff going, and then the cage that falls is actually a human-sized cage that falls on one of the golfers. Yep. And that's just a bit we'll see throughout. Because there's an area of the wheel that is kind of, like, open. So that is a set that's behind the wheel. Yes. That they are constantly changing with new miniature golf. Yes. And it's these two golfers walking wackily. We don't find out who they are yet. Nope. And then they play a hole of golf and then something silly happens. Yeah, it's very slapstick. Yes. Uh, the next sketch is Wayne and Dot, and these are all very short sketches. Yeah, it's go, go, go. Uh, about halfway through, I pointed out that this is very similar to Turn On in yeah, that it, way. Yeah, that it, like, it punches you with a concept and then it's gone. Uh, the first one is Wayne and Dot, and they have little title cards that are endearingly made crappily out of plastic. Yeah, somebody or like cardboard. holds up a... Yeah, a, and I guess it's like a stylistic choice of like... But it's less well-made than your average poster at Pride? Well, the whole 
purpose of everything is there is no post. Yeah. There's no post-production. So there are no graphics. Yeah, but like these aren't even super well-made posters. True. Like that's what I'm saying of stylistically like these aren't nicely printed uh elaborate like poster board cards. These are construction paper. Yeah, they're handmade. They're not like printed out like they're handwritten. Like a seventh grader was yes. involved. Uh and it's Wayne and Donna and we see King Kong and a and a woman screaming. Uh but he's in a, it's he's a guy in a mask and their lovers having a fight. Yeah. The it, joke does not land. It's I don't just weird. I didn't get it. It was a weird thing that happened. Yeah, it's it's a joke that just doesn't quite land. The next one is a longer sketch and it's a little weirder. It's the little drink tater. The little drink tater. A man and a woman are at a bar. And the first thing they say is... Oh, yes. This is the thing Wayne and Donna told us about. Wayne and Donna were the King Kong and the woman from the previous sketch. Yeah, so there's a through line. Eh. So there's a weird little ventriloquist puppet who suggests drinks. Yes. It's like a bar with a gimmick. And then the weird little ventriloquist doll is really mean to the guy. They're on a first date. Right. And very charming to the lady. Mm-hmm. And, they, and it, then it just starts spitting out drinks. Yeah, like, suggesting... He keeps giving, like, crappy drinks to the guy, but, like, nice, elaborate drinks to the lady. <laughs> oh, hello, young lovers! <laughs> Nothing comes those first date jitters like a hop, skip, and get hammered. I'd like a beer, please. Uh, all right, a beer for the lady. <laughs> lady? <laughs> This has alcohol in it. No, no, no. And this has alcohol in it. And then uh, it cuts to the girl making out with the ventriloquist doll. And the guy watching and shrugging and going, eh, I've done weirder. Yeah, I don't know if this was on purpose, but it invoked the William Shatner episode of The Twilight Zone. Okay. Where they, basically the premise is there's like a little fortune teller on the table and you give them a quarter and it'll give them a give you a fortune okay and they become like so obsessed with it that they can't leave because they're just like is it safe to leave today no and like whether or not it's just a coincidence they're getting this cards or this fortune teller actually is saving them it's all up in the air twilight zone scary door william shatner was in that episode yeah william shatner does that episode and there's something on the wing okay I was about to say, I, I always knew he did uh, Terror at 20,000 Feet, but I didn't know he did the other one. Yes. It's one of my favorite episodes because that prop is very clearly seen in the Tower of Terror ride. Yay! So I don't know if this was supposed to be a, a spinoff of that where, like, they can't leave because they they're keep they keep getting these fortunes versus they can't leave because they keep getting these drinks. But I don't know. It invoked that in me. And then we get our first intro to a cast member. Yes. We meet Fred Stoller. How you doing? I am psyched. Let me at you. We're gonna have fun. Where, where you from, sir? All right. Hey, what about you? I'm working the crowd. Yeah. Yes. Throughout the the show, we're gonna be introduced to all the characters. And Fred Stoller is, if I'm remembering correctly, he's got the like the real. He's a low rent uh, Ray Romano. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I really like him as a comedian. Um. But, uh, wait, let me look at him. Yeah, that's him. 
He was uh, Gerard on Everybody Loves Raymond. Yes, he he actually shows up on Everyone Loves Raymond, and he, he annoys everybody. And then someone says, you know, he kind of reminds me of Raymond. And everyone, like, freezes in place as they make that connection. <laughs> and He's also the voice on. of Sal in uh, Bob's Burgers. And the sex shop owner. Oh! Oh, okay. Here's the thing we know him from. He is an alum of Stay Doomed. Oh, is he? He is Fred the Horse from Over the Garden Wall. Oh! I did not realize. Sometimes we have to look these people up on IMDb in real time because we can't figure out who the hell they are. But this was my first moment of like, oh, they have some like comedy talent in this. This show should be good. Hopefully it'll pick some steam up as it spins around. And then the next thing is uh, the Collector of Forbidden Dances. Yeah. What is this? This is a really interesting sketch to watch in 2019. Uh, because she looks like Miranda Sings. Yeah. Um, and she's doing like weird... She It felt like a Miranda Sings sketch. Yeah, it looks like she's doing a YouTube vlog. To the point where... And like... She's talking to a camera. I think the sketch might have looked weirder in 1995. Yeah, it made more sense to me. Like, that's why it's so strange. Because I was like, they, this content didn't exist before. Yeah, and like, her mom yells up at her and she's doing these forbidden dances. And they're all like, super weird. Yeah, it's basically, she's in behind a shower curtain. And then she's like, here's a forbidden dance. And she dances really weird. And she closes the curtain. And then she does it again. Yeah. And then she tells her mom she's taking a bath. Yeah. It's very, it feels very like Wayne's Worldy, but like, I don't know. It's it's very strange that it's before YouTube that we're seeing a sketch like this. And then um, we see the second cast member introduce themselves. And that's when I realized this is how the cast members are credited. Yes. It took me until the second one. And it is uh, Nick Bacay. Hi, I'm Nick. I'm a Libra, and I'm looking for a very special lady who likes long walks. Anything to do with fudge. My friends say I'm a pretty nice guy, but please, no fatties. Or as I screamed in the middle of our living room, Salem! Salem the cat! Yes, it's the voice of Salem the cat from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And he was clearly just doing his own voice when he was Salem the cat, because that's just what he sounds like. Yes, he doesn't do the cry, unfortunately, at any point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love... I loved that show growing up. Uh, and this was, like, right before Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Okay. So this was before that aired. Um, Had this taken off, there may not have been a Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh. <gasps> that is that is tragedy. It's also not true. <laughs> yeah, true. I doubt Sabrina the Teenage Witch was a lot of his time. And then we have another Go Go Golf sketch. So we do have a sketch repeat. Oh, there's tons of go-go golf sketches. Right, but none of the rest of the other sketches are running sketches. Right, okay. That's what I mean, is we're having, like, we do revisit something. Right. And then they do a hole and somebody gets hurt. I don't have a note. And then we see Melissa Samuels. We meet the next cast member. I believe, if I remember correctly, because I want to talk about this, it is a hole where they are putting towards two skyscrapers. And then the ball goes in the hole, and the two skyscrapers fall forward and crush them. Mm-hmm. And it felt very invoking of 9-11. Okay. 
And I believe I immediately turned to you and said, when was this filmed? Yeah, and this was filmed in 1995. Yeah, so it can't, like, be about 9-11. But, like, it was so invoking of it to have two identical towers fall. Yeah. It was just very strange and very unsettling to watch. Now, I am looking at first World Trade Center bombing that happened in 93. So, like, there had already been an attack on the World Trade Center. Yeah, but it's not like they fell. I know, I've just... It's weird and uncanny and... Bothersome. Yeah. Uh, And then we have a weird, awkward bit with Melissa Samuel. Hi, um, I'm Melissa Samuels, and I just screwed up. Um, Great. Is this what you want? (laughs) She doesn't have a lot of credits. She's not in a lot. She's probably the least prolific cast member. Yeah. And she pretends to cry while taking off her shirt, screaming, is this what you want? Yes. Which is what you invoked in the beginning tag. And this is, they kind of do a fun thing with, you know, the concept here in that, like, as her shirt is coming up, her nameplate comes up and censors her, basically. Yeah. And then the next sketch is, like, the puppets. Yes. Right? Well, she runs by in the background Mm -hmm. with her shirt off, covering her chest, kind of showing off like, oh, anything can happen. Yeah. Clearly done on purpose, but like, it was fun to see that atmosphere. Yeah. So the next thing we had was this like Power Kings, and there's a really solid throwaway joke in here. Okay. With the, uh, because Power Kings, it's, uh, you know, that marionette style Puppets on, like, a submarine? It, it kind of looks like uh, Thunderbirds. Is that what that was called? Yes, and they say... No kidding, Troy. There but for the grace of Jerry Anderson go I. <laughs> Jerry Anderson was the person who made the Thunderbirds. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. so that's what that joke is. That's a good, like... It's a I'm solid s- joke. That That is so Joel's sense of humor. This is something I've discussed many times. There's so many points in a Mystery Science Theater 3000 where they just name a person. Yeah, and expect you to know who it is. Yeah. Or the joke doesn't land. To the point that they could just make up a name. Yeah. And I don't think anyone would call them out like, hey, that person doesn't exist. Because all of their, like, uh, deep dive jokes and references are so confusing and, like, so specific. Because, like, I remember a a MST3K joke of uh, someone flies by in a helicopter and he goes, Wow, he's got a direct line to Arnie Pie. Arnie Pie is the name of the helicopter pilot in The Simpsons, who's been in maybe four episodes. That is a very deep cut specific. So, like, these, like, very deep cut, like, specific jokes are very Joel. And then, uh... The next thing we see is this Troy from Power Kings does, like, a weird adult swimish gimmick of, like, here's a rat watching regular TV, and then here's a rat who is allowed to watch the television reel, wheel. And the rat who's allowed to watch the television wheel is, like, a weird roided out it's, Yeah, rat. it's a roided out statue of a rat. <laughs> and then we get the next cast intro. Yes. Uh, he does the same bit as the Is This What You Want and pulls his shirt off crying. Yes. It is Doug Benson. Doug Benson. 
I like to go to the circus. That's right, because I always take along my own dog whistle and screw up the poodle act. Is this what you want? Is this what you want? And I always forget, and I love you, Doug. I always forget how old Doug is. Uh, because Doug... Oh, that's why you had to preface it with I love you, Doug. I do. I, but, like, Doug Benson is in Blade Runner. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, he appears in this, like, wearing big, like, 90s-style, like, glasses. Because that's what the glasses looked like in the 90s. And just kind of looking like a dad. Yeah. <laughs> He, he might look older then than he does now. Yeah, like he looks, he has looked about 40 for about 30 years now. Yeah, it's insane. Um, We're going to find out that like weed's an anti-aging preservative. Yeah, it's just saving his life. But yeah, it was cool to see Doug Benson and like Doug Benson acting, which is like not a thing I see often. Yeah, because Doug Benson at this point is more of like a personality and a comedian. Yeah. We see another go-go golf. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe this is like a series of tubes it goes through or something. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then we meet Andy Kindler and Lawrence Wendt. Hi, I'm Andy. I'm Lawrence. Maybe you recognize us from that last bit we just did. Uh-huh. <laughs> we don't just do great physical comedy, right, Lawrence? That's right. We also do facial humor. Here's one of our classics. <laughs> Yes, we, we turns out these are the golfers. Yes. And they run towards the screen. And it's Andy Kindler, who I love. Andy Kindler is great, alt, weird comedy. Yeah, and he's uh, he's a noted voice actor as well. Is, is he? He's Mort in Bob's Burgers. Oh, I should know that from hearing Mort talk. Oh, but I know what you must know him from. He plays Phil Blanken, but I'm Chris Jericho. Oh, I've never seen that, but I, I have heard of that. You've never seen I'm shocked. We could do it on this show. Did it run? It didn't run on television. <laughs> 16 episodes, too many. Okay. Ran for four years. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, Andy Kindler is a great... I He's spent a lot of time in that movie, I Am Comic, because he's a great example of it, like a comics comic. I love Andy Kindler. And Lawrence Wentz. Who I don't... Really, no. He has very few acting credits. Okay, good. He was in Congo, he was in Silence of the Lambs as Agent Burroughs, and he was in Philadelphia as Juror. Ooh! Maybe we can get him on this show, and we'll talk about Television Wheel with him. Uh, maybe. I feel like he'd, he'd be an easier get. Th- than Doug Benson or Andy Kindler? Probably. Doug Benson loves talking about weird media. This is true. Hi, Doug. Call us. Um, And then we do the Vic Lawson series of sketches. And this is when we get really, like, surreal. And the sketches start to interconnect. And the show approaches interesting. I, okay. So, it is, the premise is, he's a magician? He's selling magic tricks? Yeah, he's peddling magic tricks. Uh, But every time, like, he tries to sell something, a monkey puppet... Named Pumpernickel. ...warns us that he's the devil? Uh, Pumpernickel has been kidnapped. 
uh, Pumpernickel pops up and is like, Hi there, friends. I'm Vic Lawson, and I'm mighty glad to know ya. Hi, Pumpernickel, is happy little monkey sidekick. Now, Pumpernickel, you watch your clowning. Hey, kids, let's head inside my giant surprise catalog of professional magic. Step lively, Pumpernickel. There's fun on them there pages. Please, you've got to get me free from this catalog. He is insane. professional was once an amateur. My real name is Tony. My parents live at 1077. I'm going to be honest here. It's a very adult swimmy humor. I didn't, I didn't hear a lot of the stuff that just said during this segment because I was legitimately laughing my ass off. It was so weird. And like, maybe it's because it's one of the longer sketches. So like, I, I felt like there was more to it than just like, like, I had time to think about it. Yeah. But I loved this. Yeah, and he's E. Eddie Edwards from Turn On. Yeah. He, he's that slimy salesman who's, like, very creepy and very suspect. Yeah, it felt very Turn On at this point. And then... Except I was laughing. <laughs> I was about the same level as bewilder- of Bewildered. Oh, yeah, you were definitely not on... The laughter train, like I was. Another go-go golf. For some reason, I didn't write down what happened in the go-go golfs. I think because they were usually so fast. It was. It's also always the same thing. Like, they hit the ball, and then usually something falls on them. I think they hit it into a toaster, and then, like, giant pieces of bread fall on them? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's this. There we go again. Uh, and then somebody delivers the Vic Lawson box to a child and there is a real life dog yes i hate this sketch because the dog is visibly very unhappy yeah he looks very startled and the dog is scared he's like cuddling into the actor because he's like afraid yes and he has a box that if you put a dog in they'll turn into a chicken yes so he puts the dog in the box he lifts the box up, and now there's a chicken. And then he brings the box down and shows us the box is empty. Yeah. So this is very clearly, maybe not so clearly to the untrained eye, that when he lifts it up out of frame, there's someone who's grabbing the dog and removing him from the box. Yeah, someone's scooping Clark the dog up. So, like, there's a part of me that appreciated, like, oh, you just did a magic trick. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good, good job. You did sleight of hand in front of me. All, all right. That's a skill. And then we have another cast member intro of Morwenna Banks. Yes. Uh, again, not someone that super jumped out at me as a memorable person. Or someone that I knew. She's another voice actress. Okay. Uh, she's best known if you have nieces and nephews. She's Mummy Pig from Peppa Pig. Oh, goodness. And she was uh, Anthea from uh, Skins. She's been in a lot, but very little in the U.S. Okay. A lot of overseas stuff and voice acting. Gotcha. Yeah. So, she does her intro. Because we're still doing intros to the entire thing. And all she says is, sock it to me, and they throw water on her. Yeah, and I laughed. I was like, oh, laughing. Cool. Again, a tur- like, still turn on. Yeah. Like, to the point where I was like, I wonder if turn on was a thought. Yeah, if the, if Joel was just a huge fan of turn on. Because I, I don't think it's out of the question that Joel knew turn on. 
and had gone to the Paley Center to watch Turn On. Yeah. I don't find that to be remotely out of the question. Or he could have just watched it live. Is he that old? Joel? Yeah. Turn On aired in 69. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Probably not. But as someone, I'm sure he's a big fan of Lost Media. Yeah. I'm sure there's a good chance that if Joel Hodgson watched it live, he is currently uh, 59 years old. So if he watched it live, it might have been a formative memory. Yeah. Because he would have been like nine years old. Yeah, I mean, I have memories from when I'm nine. But, uh, you know, Joel's whole career was finding bad lost media and then making jokes about it. So I could totally believe he found Turn On. Yeah, I mean, he it probably like tape trading. So now that we're in the middle of this episode, th- there's a few things that I just want to discuss here. Okay. Number one, I am at this point realizing and kind of upset, Joel is not appearing on camera. No. For someone who spent all this time explaining what this show was, he's entirely behind the scenes. Yeah. Which is a bit of a bummer if you're a Joel fan. Yes. So, I was bummed out about that. And two, the big thing he kept saying is we have the camera in the middle and that camera will not cut. Right. How often did the camera cut? Fairly often? Yeah, we kept seeing, like, the crowd, like, the live audience clapping, and we kept seeing the set spinning because they wanted to keep reminding us what they were doing. Yeah, there was, like, an overhead shot. But in doing that, you're no longer doing the thing you promised because there are now cuts in it. And how terrible must it be? To be the live audience for this show. Yeah. Because not only can you not see what's happening, because all you're seeing is the back of a thing that's spinning, but this is meant to be viewed on television. Right. That is its design. Right. Like they I'm just... wondering if the live audience was just for the pilot. Like, that's a gimmick we would have lost. I think the live audience has to be there because there's no post. So they couldn't put a laugh track in. Yeah. And the other thing I want to say, which is impressive, right next to the audience, is a full orchestra. That's neat. Because all the music is played live because there's no post-production. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's an impressive feat. So, the next thing we have is, like, we go to this guy who's miserably eating eggs... And then the little boy from the previous sketch comes back and grabs the chicken and goes, that's not a chicken, that's Clark. Oh, yes. So, like, again, that mini through line. He's not eating eggs. He is spitting eggs out of his mouth, which is one of my favorite magic tricks. Oh. Where he's throwing up the eggs. You see it in the film Airplane as well, where, like, you, you just have a white thing in your mouth, and then you show it, and then you have an egg in your hand, and then you just keep repeating that. Oh. So, again, it's me and my... I used to want to be a magician, guys. If you don't know that, you've probably never had a conversation with me. I don't talk about magic a lot. But if you talk to me for 15 minutes, it's definitely like, you wanted to be a magician when you were a child, didn't you? You ever seen that IT crowd episode? He looks like a magician! He looks like a magician. And the actor, I believe, and he looks... That they're talking about looks a bit like you? In that episode of IT crowd? I completely disagree with you. (laughs) No. All right, hold on. We're going back. I don't look like a magician. Name one magician that wears glasses. Penn Jillette? Okay. I don't look like Penn Jillette. 
No, you you told me to name one who wears glasses. Okay, no, you don't look like that much like him now that I've no! a picture of him. He looks like a magician. He does look like a magician. Like, magicians have bad facial hair that is clearly being groomed on purpose. That's what a magician looks like. I talk like someone who spent a lot of time studying magic. Because I obsess about little things and stuff like that. That's how you can tell someone used to be into magic. Is if they, like, they're real into things that are not important. Nerds. Yeah, a lot of, All I mean, nerds like magic. I went through a phase where I wanted to be a magician. See? Told you. I, I didn't get that hardcore into it, though. <laughs> so, then we meet John Carney. Hi, I'm uh, John Carney. Uh, Carney, you like art, Carney? Well, I, I don't know art, but I know what I like. <laughs> oh, I think I split a gun. Who's another actor? <laughs> he hasn't been in much either. Like... His name sounds familiar. I he was a writer for MST3K. Okay, maybe that's how I know him. Uh, but that's really it. Um, he's hasn't been in that much. Another Go Go Golf, and then I have the note. Huh, Go Go Golf was probably expensive for how badly these sketches suck. Yeah, I mean, I have a whole thing I want to say at the end of this, so I'm I'm biting my tongue right now. So then we have the FBI VHS warning, which if you're of a certain age. You remember when you would queue up a VHS and they would show the FBI warning. Something about this made some kids kind of crack themselves internally, like me. Yeah, I don't know why. There's blank screens with writing on them. Just can't do it. Um, And then the caption rolls up like a curtain to reveal three guys playing poker. Yeah. In another gag that feels weirdly prescient... Because now everybody jokes about having the NSA agent who watches them through their computer. Yeah. Like, oh, what just happened? I don't know. My NSA agent was bored. (laughs) So that's another, like, weirdly prescient joke. Yeah. Um, Then we have two robot puppets who kind of look like uh, Crow from MST3K and Scooter from the Muppets. Yeah, this looks so much like MST3K that I feel like they're trying to invoke it. Yes. Because, like... You say he looks like Scooter, he also kind of looks like Crow. No, I said one looks like Crow and one looks like Scooter. Oh, uh, to me it read as, as Crow and uh, uh, Tom Servo. Oh, okay. Like, I, I, they kind of look like them. They invoke their presence. Yeah, I got a strong Scooter from the Muppets vibe from one of them. Okay. Uh, and it's clearly supposed to be like a racial parable. And I totally could pick out Salem the Cat's voice. Yes. You're used to... You're more used to hearing from him as a puppet than it's you true. are as a human. And then we meet another character, or cast member, Paul Fagg. Hi. Uh, this isn't my mustache. Um, I'd like to do my impression of a guy who's been poisoned, but he didn't know it. Oh my god, I just crapped in my pen. Paul Fagg, yes. Who um, I can't name anything he's done right now. Bridesmaids, uh, the 2016 Ghostbusters reboot. Yes. Uh, he's done quite a lot. Uh, he was in every episode of Joel McHale's Netflix show. Yes, yes. Uh, it was exciting to see him too, a, a younger man. The Heat Spy. Yes, he's a very funny man, just not in this show. No. I like, uh, this has a, uh, we'll get a little bit into this about the uh, problem with the cast in a little while. Um, finally, the last Go Go Golf sketch, they're in heaven. 
Yeah. Because they died in the previous sketch. Like, for real. I don't... I didn't... I don't get it. So St. Peter throws open the pearly gates and the golfers fall. Yes. And it continues the joke. Then we meet another cast member. Yes. David Cross. David Cross. This has to be pre-Mr. Show, right? Um, I believe it is. Because this had, like... Mr. Show has to be the greatest thing to come out of Television Wheel. Because Mr. Show ran on Comedy Central. Yes. And it stars David Cross and uh, Bob Odenkirk. And that had a great life on HBO, unlike this show. Yeah, Mr. Show doesn't start until 1996. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, But yeah, I'm happy to see David Cross. You know him as Dr. Tobias Flunke from Arrested Development. But, yeah, I, again, just, like, another great comic not doing what he's known for doing, which is being funny. Yeah, he, like, I didn't realize he was in it until they did the title card with him. There was a guy where I was like, that kind of looks like David Cross. But he was David Cross, but I wasn't sure because it's 1995, so I didn't know exactly what everybody looked like back yeah. then. Yeah, it's also like we're watching a VHS rip on YouTube, so quality has dropped a few notches. Yeah, and then there's a, a kiss that looks like the puppets from Wienerville. Yes, it really does look like Wienerville. To the point where I then did research on what Mark Wiener's up to right now. Did he work on this show or no? He did not. Okay. But he does seminars at Yoga Retreat, Kripal you now. Oh. Yeah, he's like real into wellness, so good for you, Mark Wiener. Good for you, Mark Wiener. Uh, so... Then it's our life with Trouser. It's, uh, Steve the... There's... Sorry, my notes are confusing. Cause I, okay. Uh, this show moves so fast that sometimes my notes are a little garbled. Our life with Trouser, and it's a dog puppet. And an older couple. Yes. And the dog barks, and the man goes out to yell at the dog. Yes. And the dog has eaten the curtains. Yes, he swallowed all of the curtains. And then begins to swallow the man. No, he also pulls out... They do this, like, fun magic trick. It's the curtains, the feather duster, a Miro print, and their chandelier. Yes, that's right. Now, the thing about this sketch is... There's the... The couple is in one room and the dog is in the other. And Mm -hmm. they keep moving the camera back and forth. Now, every time they go through to the other room, they go through the wall... So you see the inside of the wall, and you see that pink cotton candy insulation in there. Yeah. And live mice. Yeah. Who are, like, running around in such a way that's like, how'd you get them to do that? Because, man, they are stealing focus. I didn't even, I actually didn't notice them. Oh, well, they, they, then I'm just full of lies. I think by this point, I was, like, overwhelmed and fed up with the show. Yeah, I could totally see that. Because my next note is, didn't think I'd miss Stella Abbott this soon. I really wanted to like this show. I wanted so I to was like it. dead set. I was like, I want to get through it. I'm sure it gets good later. So then the dog eats the husband, and the wife pets the dog and praises him. And that's the last sketch. Yes, then the show ends. Joel reappears and is like, ah, 29 minutes and 14 seconds. I think we did pretty well. Yeah. And then the credits go by, and those are also, like... They're really charming. They're handwritten and, like, on a spool of cellophane. Yeah. They're flying up. 
This way you can still see through them and the cast is just in the back doing things. Yeah, the cast like all kind of runs out and does like sort of a curtain call where they yeah. all run across the screen. And uh, the two takeaways from here. Judd Apatow was a writer on this show. Okay. And the audience... we I, You forget about the audience a lot because they didn't like a lot of the show. But man, did they pop for Clark the dog. Yes, they did love Clark the dog. I mean, I thought the the crowd did a good job of laughing. Like, it's not like there are jokes that you hear fall flat. Like, they're trained to laugh when they're supposed to laugh. Yeah, that's true. It just, sometimes it's not that funny. So then they do the little end segment, and there's a little puppet uprising. Yeah, it's, it's not funny. It's Joel saying, like, I hope you enjoyed the television wheel. Uh, HBO didn't enjoy it, but I hope you enjoyed it. And then the puppets capture him. And he's like, I tried to write, fight for puppet rights. I was working to give you work. And then they carry him away and that's the show. Yeah, and then it just kind of... Oh, then they try to sell us a VHS copy of this show. That's true. Called the Xbox. <laughs> it was a show. It certainly was a show. Uh, anything to add about it? Um... A lot of the reviews, because this is one of those shows where other people have done what we're doing, essentially, but there's not a lot of research on it. Gotcha. Uh, a lot of people think this is brilliant. Okay. A lot of people think it's subversive and funny, and a lot of things people also say about uh, Adult Swim shows I don't like. Okay. So I'm wondering if it's just that style of humor that I can't stand. I feel like... The concept is interesting. Yes. Uh, like, I like the danger of it. I love, you know, the the fact that a lot of it is all... that The fact that it's all practical. Like, I feel like this show would do better today. Absolutely. Because, like, now we're so overblown with CGI that they could be like, look, there's not going to be any CGI in this at all. One cut. Here we go. This wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, when I first... Because we talked about this a little bit before. Because we used it in Stay Dude and Live. What I thought is that it spun seemingly at random. And it was... The sketch was in media res. Yeah, I kind of thought it was that as well. Where it was like, let's see what sketch is next. And like, I love this idea of... You have, say... Five sketches happening on different parts of, like, different partitioned off parts of a stage. Mm -hmm. And you go back and forth between them. Yeah. I like that idea, too. And, like, the scene is, like, but the scenes go on when they're not on. Mm -hmm. So stuff changes in the scene. Yeah, that would be a, an interesting way to, to do this show. That's what I thought this show was. And I was a little disappointed when it wasn't. It To me, well, let's just do this now. Because I think, like, it's clear. But we're going to have a discussion. Mm -hmm. Stay doomed or stay doomed. This is a hard stay doomed for me. Yeah, It is a stay doomed for me as well. Um, and I, I feel like the, the best way I can explain this is the way I explain most things. And that's through professional wrestling. <laughs> you have been forced to watch lots of professional wrestling at so this point much. in your life. Okay. You're going to be a commentator right now. Okay. Okay? I pick up my opponent, and I slam him on the apron 
of the ring. It's the hardest part of the ring. Right. Exactly what they're going to say. Why do they say that? Uh, so that the audience buys in that the uh, competitor is more hurt than they are. Yes. Raises the stakes. But it's not even so much that they buy in. It's that it's a true fact. No. That if you were to fall on the apron of the ring versus the middle of the ring, it hurts a whole lot more. Because that's where the support of the ring is. Yes. Which I understand that that now makes sense and there's like value to that and it hurts more. But all you're actually doing is saying, oh, the middle of the ring is soft. True. The You could have the illusion that the entire ring is really hard and the audience could buy into that. Right. It's not true and they don't need to know that that's not true, but you're making them know that so you can use it as a plot device. The television wheel is being thrown on the apron. It is a very difficult concept to do. Okay. It is an unbelievably difficult and like an amazing achievement that they pulled it off. If you're if you know anything about television. Yes. If you're an average television watcher, there's not a lot special about this show. If you just watch the television wheel part. It's just a weird sketch show. That's why it's so important to them to explain to us, the audience, that what they're doing is hard. It's like a Stephen Sondheim show from musical theater frame point of uh, Sondheim is rhythmically difficult, uh, lyrically precise, just a very difficult show. And a lot of his work is a little bit more inaccessible to some people because it's like, oh, you know, this is boring. Right. But really, it's a very technical achievement that some people find boring. Like ballet. Yeah, but, and exactly. Like, if you don't know anything about ballet, like, it's just a bunch of people dancing. Like, you don't know, like, oh my god, it's so hard to keep your legs straight like that. Or jump that high. So, the show, it's very important to the show to express to the audience that what they're doing is difficult. That's why the camera cuts away and you see everything working. Because they need to get that to you. Which then just leads to the question, well then, why do this? Yeah. There's very few moments in the show that justify the difficulty. And it's like, it's those few magic tricks, and there's like the few bits where, like, the uh, perspective works and stuff like that. But if you do all the exact same sketches without this gimmick, with cuts, there's no substance to this show. No. Because the writing was so secondary to them trying this achievement. Yeah. That... The performances are kind of weak because everyone's trying to survive. Because there is one episode of SNL that aired commercial free. Okay. And there is stuff kind of like this. Where a sketch ends and then the camera has to like just move somewhere else to start another sketch. And like that's real danger now. Because there's no buffer. There's no breaks. It's just go, go, go. And I get that, like, this wheel is what they're supposed to do. But what they're really supposed to do is create a funny sketch show. And that's 
just a failure in this. It's also... H- it was made for HBO in the 90s. What's the biggest value of HBO in the 90s? Uh, it's premium, so it doesn't... Like, it's not FCC compliant. Correct. And, like, usually I'm all for comedy not leaning on these things. But I would think for HBO you would have, you know, a few, like, risque jokes. Well, that being said... Joel says during the Comedy Central bits, like, so one of the puppets asks him, so this is going to air all one cut with no post-production at all? And Joel says there's actually one bleep because this was originally for HBO and they're a little bit more, uh, you know, free with the language. Did you hear a bleep? Ever? I don't think I did. Nor did I. So, like, it made me wonder if he was just wrong when he said that, or if what we were watching was the VHS rip that he sells at the end. Yeah. And thus it was it was uncensored. I don't think this was the VHS rip we, that uh, they sold at the end, because if you watch, they, um, they have what's coming up next on Comedy Central. Yeah, that's true. That's it's three true. episodes of Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher. That's right. It also did have the Comedy Central bug. Now I think about it. So, I I don't know if we just missed the bleep. It's such a, like, what floored me about the show is this incredible talented cast. Like, Mm. many of whom are very famous today. And squandered. Yeah. There's just, there's nothing special about it. It's a sketch show where they, there's only, like, one character in it. Yeah. Like... A lot of it is just stuff happening instead of, like, establishing your returning characters that are going to be, you know, oh, good, it's a sketch with this guy. Yeah, like, the only character you think might be returning is Vic Lawson. Yeah. It's just, it's... It's missing all the components of a good sketch show. And it was sacrificed to the television wheel because it was hard to build. Yeah, it was... The show was gimmick first. Yeah, absolutely. The show was just here for Godzilla. Yeah. It's uh, one of the... I'm going to take this back to musical theater, because that's how I... Go for it. No. It's a a big criticism of the King Kong musical. Yeah. Was that nothing else is done quite as well as the giant King Kong puppet. Right. Yeah, it's just... It's an interesting novelty. I saw when you pulled it up on IMDb, it had a 6.9. Nice. Uh, score, which I think is high, but like it is a really big achievement. Yeah, it's just not great. No, it is hard to watch. It's overwhelming in the same way Turn On was overwhelming. Of it's so fast and so relentless. Yeah, that it kind of sacrifices being any fun. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a real shame. So I think that's going to do it for this episode. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, what are we watching next week? Uh, next week, we are going to watch uh, Clerks, the animated series. Woo! It's been a while since we did a cartoon. Schnoogans. Schnoogans. Uh Where can people find us? You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. Yes, if you have something that you'd like to suggest for us to do in these uh, last few episodes, please do. Those who have sent stuff, we got it. We're going to do it. It's just, 
We ha- we don't have time. So we're going to get to it. Just wanted to let that. And let some you know of the stuff that. is still. We're having challenges finding certain things. Yeah. So we we've we care. So please keep sending us uh, those suggestions. Yeah. Yes. If you want to talk to me about the mic seasons of uh, MST3K. Uh, you want to know where you can see us live? Oh yeah. Where can people see us live? Uh, people can see us live. Fourth of July weekend in Morristown, New Jersey at DexCon. And I believe we can now say that we will be at Otacon in Washington, D.C. at the end of July. Woo! Come see us at Otacon. So those are the two that we know about. Yes, we got a few more in the pipeline, but yeah. those are the official ones. If you want to talk to me about the mic seasons of MST3K, I'm at TV's Noah. If you want to talk about the nuances of the Salem the Cat puppet, I'm at Priorities. Until next time, stay doomed. <laughs>